HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, this is Michael Harlan Turkel here from the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco. And I'm here with... Amanda Parr. And Chase Atkins. Of Burn Hot Sauce. Now, it's so funny. You know, I'm a vinegar guy. And I tasted your hot sauce last year. And now I get chided for the fact that my favorite hot sauce, not just at the Mercantile, but in the country right now, is yours and it is vinegarless. <laughs> That's absurd, right? It's amazing. Yeah, but w- let's talk about hot sauce in general and how you even got into that because I know, Amanda, you have a culinary background and Chase just twisted your arm to continually make the hot sauce that you made for him. But what was the impetus of this collaboration, of this business? So Chase was working on a pepper farm in Santa Cruz and meanwhile I was working at Manresa for David Kinch and all of a sudden Chase comes home <laughs> with 20 pounds of ripe red serranos. And so I was really into fermentation at the time. I was teaching... That's fer- a lot of serranos. Yeah. <laughs> that is a lot of serranos. <laughs> and I was teaching fermentation classes at Love Apple Farms. And so I decided, okay, like, well, let's just ferment them. And we kind of forgot about them. They sat on our counter for a couple months. And then around the holidays, Chase looked at me and was like, hey, why don't we bottle that stuff up and give it to our friends for the holidays? And so he disappears. He comes back with all these little dropper bottles bought from our little local supermarket. Well, that's all they had, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And we filled them up and sent them to all our friends. And within days, we started getting calls from Chicago, L.A., everywhere we sent them to. And people were just, what is this? I need more. They were trying to, you know, be fancy and (laughs) add garlic and ginger and turmeric. And we were like, well, let's just make a solo batch, you know? And um, it was still pepper season during that, that time of the year. And so we got Thai bird chilies and jalapenos, right? Or was it just Thai chilies? Um, we did, our first two batches were a serrano batch and a Thai bird batch. Yeah, and the, there was a pure Thai bird patch that really just put us over the edge. Well, I like, mean, as a, as a pepper farmer, you get to experience those things in their singular, purest form. And, mm. you know, a lot of people that have hot sauce don't because it's so complex by all the other ingredients. Mm. Uh, before the hot sauce word up and went around the world during Christmas, what did you do with the peppers? Were you just farming, picking, and giving, or did you actually cook with them as well? I was working with a farm um, in Santa Cruz that, that uh, is at the farmer's market, selling chilies, uh, strawberries, fruit, various fruits, citrus. Um, and chilies uh, were one of the crops that year. And he had hundreds of pounds of serranos, hundreds of pounds of Padrones, uh, Poblanos, Jimmy Nardellos, all sorts of varieties, even little lunch box, box um, 
peppers, little baby bell peppers. Um, and uh, that that really like opened the door, you know? And how we got all these peppers too is we, you know, lent the smoker that we had that Toby, the farmer, needed to smoke chipotles. He had no money. He's just <laughs> like, hey, I, I got peppers. And I was like, okay. So, so this is one of those when life hands you lemons, but in this case, life handed you hundreds of pounds of peppers. But when yeah. did you know that food in general was going to be a career for either of you from a farming standpoint, from a cooking standpoint? Um, well, I've been cooking uh, <laughs> for about 10 years now. Um, I actually, I went to school for fashion and um, I got my dream internship working with Michael Kors in New York for the shoe department. Was so excited. <laughs> my last episode yeah. uh, at Heritage, he was actually sitting at Roberta's uh, in that picture window outside. Really? Oh, lovely and, yeah. <laughs> and what's, what's, what's fascinating, I'm like, I wonder if he's wearing Michael Kors. Yep, Michael Kors is wearing Michael Kors. Yeah, and you know, I worked there and the internship was great, but in my free time, I was in the big city for the first time and I was reading all these cookbooks and I was going out to eat at all these amazing restaurants and then I was starting a scrapbook of all the uh, cool recipes that I grew up with and it just hit me that clearly my heart was in a different place. Um, so at first I was, oh no, Amanda, you're crazy. Maybe it's just New York fashion. Maybe you should look at LA fashion. It's a little more casual. <laughs> and then I just, I really just realized, I was watching Iron Chef one day and I saw these two guys and they looked like John young. and Vinny. Yeah, John and Vinny of Animal. And I saw, I saw them and I was like, wow, look at these young people doing what they love. And they're doing catering, right? Yeah, and that was when they had a catering company. And that was the two dudes, one pan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I, on a whim, just emailed them and asked if I could be their intern for the summer and kind of forgot about it. And then a couple months later, um, I get a call and they wanted me their intern. And then I just had to convince oh, no. my parents that, <laughs> yes, I was going to be moving to L.A. for a summer to work for free for a restaurant. <laughs> Parents don't listen to this. Yeah, they <laughs> and you no, know, we we should just bypass this part of the conversation because we've all done this. The free work that parlays itself into something bigger and better, but mm. you know when you're doing it, you're doing the right thing because it feels right. So, when did it feel right for you? The day I walked in that door and I saw all these guys looking at me and they were like, "This is our intern." And you know, I get in there and the first thing they did is taught me how to hold a knife correctly. And uh, that night I went to bed and I slept like a rock and I knew that this is what I was gonna do forever. It was, it, it was fun, it was exciting, it was delicious. And when we met each other in, in Venice Beach, Amanda had moved on to uh, working at Suzanne Goen's uh, Luke restaurant. Um, super amazing place and that's, you know, that opened the door to me and like, wow, there's a whole another world out there with food. Yeah. And uh, we, we tried having a backyard garden, trying to grow whatever plants, you know, we could get away with. And we had no sunlight and uh, <laughs> time spent by and we had, we had, you know, been in LA for a little bit longer and we were like, let's, let's, let's open the door. And Amanda had been uh, reading a lot of um, Thomas Keller's books. Um, you know, we'd read them at night and stuff and we we're like, infatuated with the idea of, wow, why, why don't we go work on a farm? Why don't we, you know, go grow some food for the meals we want to cook? And uh, so we did that. Yeah. We, moved to, uh, we moved to Sonoma and um, 
I started working on a tree farm, you know, like a, a fruit tree farm, nursery. And, uh, and this was not just any fruit yeah. tree farm. <laughs> they had every variety of About citrus. 6,000 trees on four acre parcel, you know, very, uh, various containers and things. But that led to, you know, bringing a home garden at home. And uh, as soon as we came to Santa Cruz, you know, past Sonoma, past Napa, we came to Santa Cruz when Amanda started working at uh, Minresa um, after she was working at Love Apple Farm, where I was working as well. And that really just like intrigued us. Wow, we're, we're so lucky to be on the West Coast, um, where we are at least, so we can grow year round, you know? There's a lot of places all over the place you can't grow year round. And, uh, <laughs> We just had to be here yeah. forever. You know, Santa Cruz is so nice. Not to revert this back to fashion, but yeah. <laughs> two things. Suzanne going, her book Sunday Suppers is strikingly beautiful. Mm -hmm. And her food, not just the flavors, but the actual color and texture are so beautiful that it always led me believe that food is fashion in, in you know, some semblance of the word. The colors that you are able to produce with your peppers with your hot sauces, how important is that aspect, you know, the visual aspect of the hot sauce over the flavor for you, or is it kind of symbiotic? Um, they're definitely symbiotic. For me, I'm always into uh, getting the most quality I can, and for me, controlling that with making sure people are using only the vine-ripened peppers, and we pick through and we pretty much cut each pepper in half to really truly inspect every single pepper and make sure that it's up to snuff to go into our sauce. And I think that that's why the colors of our hot sauce are so beautiful is because not only are they hand-picked, um, but we're really particular and we encourage everybody to like be a part of it and, you know. You know, but then going back to the year-round thing that you just said, Chase, mm -hmm. you don't have an atelier. You don't have a new line every year because you have that same stock of produce. I know there are growing seasons. How, as a business, do you change with the season, with the year, to develop new ideas, new flavors? Good question. Um, well, Amanda can help me answer this, really. It's seasonality and what the, the farmer's prepared to grow. And um, for instance, this last year, Jeff Larkey of Route 1 Farm in uh, Santa Cruz area uh, had never grown golden cayenne, ever. <laughs> and we are like, you, how cool would it be if we had that guy grow peppers and we could use all of them and we contracted uh, a thousand pounds from the guy and he's like i hope it works out <laughs> they're only like two inches long three inches long you know and they're not ripening up and as peppers do they take a while to ripen up especially in santa cruz because of the the sun is not always direct but it was a warm year um this past year and we we had it you know we had it solid and we ended up taking about 1500 pounds from him um, and end all. And so the, the consumers who are ever enjoying this stuff really tell us what we need to keep on deck because they tell us what they love and what they love about it. The color be it one, the flavor be it second, um, you know, or all of it together, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, I was going to ask whether or not it's a collaborative effort, but I think uh, you've already answered that. But what else do you want to do in collaboration with maybe growers or even the general public to, to make new products, to make extensions of your brand past what you oh, do now? I would love to answer this. <laughs> um, I, I see Burn being a regional thing where we can start to support farms in, a, in an area 
where, uh, you know, per se Hatch Valley or something where peppers grow like wildfire down there. How amazing would it be to start a kitchen there and start a burn there and support the agroeconomy in that valley um, versus having to ship it in from another country or another part, another state, um, and then start jobs there. And that's, that's kind of how I see the future of it. Yeah, and, yeah. and one of the reasons we choose to ferment different pepper varieties is to really show people how different and unique all these heirloom varieties are. Um, a lot of hot sauce companies, they do blends. Um, and what's cool about doing single origin sauces is you can compare the Southern California cayenne versus a Northern California cayenne. And you find like there's really a lot of different flavors. And it makes you realize how important <clears throat> the land is and the farmer who grew it and who picked it and how it was delivered. And all these things like really affect the flavor of the hot sauce. And, and with fermentation, you really get all these different nuances and complexities that you really just, you can't taste when the pepper's in its raw form. So in the end, we really just want to help uh, re-inspire people to seek out these um, rare seeds or seek out things that they haven't really tried before and get to know them on a really intimate level. Salt, water, peppers, thyme, that's all it is. Did you ever expect the culmination of burn hot sauce to end up in nuptials? And what hot sauce are you going to serve at your wedding? <laughs> well, first of all, Chase was trying to marry me the day he met me. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I definitely, it was definitely love at first sight. Um, but at our wedding, we'll probably be serving the golden cayenne. <laughs> there it is. Well, thank you guys so much. Burn Thank hot you. sauce. Stop Thank by. You. It's in Santa Cruz. Do you accept visitors? Will pe can people actually come and buy it directly come, off of you? Of course. Yes, and, please. Uh, come up to the hill. Milk, milk our cow. <laughs> I couldn't end on a better note. A big <laughs> special thanks to the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and Culinary Arts for supporting Heritage Radio Network on tour.